Today is a day where we're going to learn together just how far Jesus would go to touch us. Well, hey everybody, welcome to The Crossing today. We have never had so many people come to church in their pajamas and sweats, but we've always said this is a come-as-you-are kind of place. So however you find yourself today, we're just glad that you've joined us. Well, the other day I had to go pick up something, and it was a place where you have to hand them your credit card. And so the guy told me the total, so I got my debit card out, and I handed it to him, and then he put on a glove, took my card, and swiped it, and handed it back to me, to which then I put on my glove, and I put it on, and I grabbed the card back like I was holding the coronavirus itself. I took out a Clorox wipe and disinfected it and put it back into my pocket. Have you had this experience? That whenever I get deliveries at my house, I'll put my gloves on and I'll go outside, I'll open the box and disinfect the items inside. You begin to look at everyone like they could be a carrier. I had to go to Costco to pick up a few necessities and this guy who wasn't wearing a face mask was leaning over the food section talking to someone behind the counter and I was completely disgusted. It is that mindset that will help you understand the main character in our account today in the life of Jesus. Or well, we're in part two of our series that we're calling Marked. That whenever someone came in contact with Jesus, whether they were rich, poor, religious, not so religious, powerful, or outcast, they were forever marked by Jesus, impacted by his life. Some chose to leave everything to follow Jesus, but others made a decision to reject him or to unfollow him. But you couldn't come in contact with Jesus without being marked by him. In this series, we're walking through the gospel of Mark. This gospel is the account of Jesus written down by a guy by the name of John Mark. Now, John Mark was not one of the 12 disciples, but he gets his information about Jesus from the most famous disciple, Simon Peter, or you may just know him as Peter. You will see that nothing happens in this gospel in which Peter is not present. And he begins his account like this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And while Peter does not start with Jesus' birth because he was not there, he will describe the coming of Jesus in the same way as when Jesus was born. He describes it as good news. And as I said last week, if your version of Christianity does not feel like good news, then you have a different version than what Peter described. Jesus traveled from town to town proclaiming the good news. And he said, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Wherever God is, the kingdom of God is near. And now that Jesus has come, God has come near. So the only response, Jesus said, is to repent and believe the good news. 
And the news about Jesus began to spread quickly. Everywhere Jesus went, there were large crowds. It says this in verse 39. It says, so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So to help you get a picture of this, let me just show you what the area looks like on a map. As you can see, this is the Sea of Galilee right here. And this entire area is known as the region of Galilee. So Jesus is traveling from town to town, sharing the good news. And that is where he encounters the main character of our story today. Beginning in verse 40, says this, it says, a man with leprosy came to him. In those days, any kind of skin disease could be diagnosed as leprosy. But leprosy would start with extreme fatigue and pain in your joints. And soon, discolored patches would begin to show up on the skin. And these sores would ulcerate and the stench would be intolerable. The leper would begin to lose sensation in, in his touch with the nerves. But perhaps worse than physical suffering would be the social suffering. To be diagnosed with leprosy was perhaps worse than a death sentence. That they would be quarantined outside of the city away from their family and their community. They would never again feel the hug of their child the embrace of their spouse, the handshake of a friend. They were shunned and no one would ever touch them. The Old Testament actually gave guidelines for those who had leprosy. Here's what it says in Leviticus 13. It says, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes and let their hair be unkept. Now, the reason for this is so that you wouldn't accidentally run into someone who had leprosy. It would be obvious to everyone what this person had. And then it says, they are to cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. Do you see what this is saying? Because they didn't have protective masks for their face. So they would cover the bottom part of their mouth as they shouted, unclean, unclean so they would not spread germs to someone else. It says, as long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside of the camp. And get this, when they ventured into town to get food, they were to socially distance themselves, and I'm not making this up, they were to get no closer than six feet from anyone around them. But most of the time, if they would get closer than 50 feet, people would throw rocks at them to keep them at a distance. There was a sense that they lived in the in-between. They were unable to die, but they were unable to participate with life. They watched the world go on around them and they couldn't be a part of it. Well, this guy comes to Jesus, and it said that he come, he begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. We don't know if this guy came closer to Jesus than he was supposed to by law, 
But either way, he seemed to know that he could approach Jesus. And what we see is perhaps the best example of perfect faith. This is what perfect faith is. It's confident Jesus can, hopeful Jesus will. It's confident that Jesus can, hopeful that he will. That he will. He said, I believe you can cleanse me of my leprosy. I don't know if you will. See, that right there, that is perfect faith. And Jesus' reaction to this man might be shocking to you. It says, Jesus was indignant. Now, this doesn't sound very Jesus-like, does it? But Jesus is not indignant with the leper. He's not angry at this guy. Jesus is angry at the suffering that came when sin entered the world. He's angry over the suffering of the disease and the suffering caused by other people because of this disease. Suffering is the work of Satan. And that is what Jesus is angry about. Look at what the Apostle John tells us in 1 John chapter 3. It says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The suffering is the devil's work. And Jesus came to destroy the work of Satan. Jesus is indignant with Satan, but compassionate with this guy. It says he reached out his hand and touched the man. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I wonder if Peter was thinking at this moment, Jesus, don't touch him. Because just by touching him, Jesus would become ceremonially unclean himself. If you became unclean, you would have to make a six or seven day journey to go all the way to the temple in Jerusalem to offer sacrifices to be made clean. Jesus could have just said the word and this guy would have been clean. He did that other times. But Jesus chooses to touch him. Maybe it's been years since someone has touched them. Maybe this guy considered himself untouchable. And Jesus chooses to touch him. You see, Jesus was not constrained by religious rules. A new day had dawned. Jesus is introducing a new covenant, a new kingdom that is defined by loving others. It goes on to say, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for, the, um, for your cleansing as a testimony to them. The Gospel of Mark, it's written to a Gentile audience. So what you will see is in this Gospel, he will explain certain Jewish customs so that the readers will know what's going on. According to the Old Testament law, Moses commanded that if anyone had leprosy, and they wanted to be reintroduced back into the community, they had to go to a priest who would check them out and declare them clean. And in some cases, they would even give them a bill of health 
so they could show people in their community that they had permission to re-enter society. And then they had to go to the temple. They went to the temple and they had to make a gratitude offering. But in that same passage that we read in Leviticus a few minutes ago, it says that anyone who touches that person has to make the same journey and they have to make a sin offering because they were contaminated by someone that they shouldn't have touched. So Jesus breaks with Moses. The old is passing away. The kingdom of God has come near because the king has arrived. Well, even though Jesus told this guy not to tell anyone, it says instead he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Now, you can't completely blame this guy. His life has been given back to him. How do you enter back in society without telling the story of what Jesus has done for you? said, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Before this, Jesus was able to enter a town, but no more. That day is gone. As we will see in the coming weeks, everywhere Jesus went, there were crowds of people. They came from all over to hear Jesus teach and to be healed by him. Maybe like this guy in this account, you find yourself in the in-between. Even though this guy didn't die, he was unable to live a normal life. He watched everyone else live their life around him, and he couldn't be a part of it. This right here, is how some of you feel about life right now. It's in between. It wasn't that long ago that life was completely normal. And now you don't even know what normal looks like anymore. You're in between. Perhaps you've been on furlough and you don't know how long it will be until you're able to go back to work. You're in between. Or maybe you're on the front lines every day and you're worried about your own safety. You're in between. Maybe this has meant that you missed your prom or graduation, your wedding, or the team that you worked so hard to make. For some of you, you felt like this way before any of this hit us. You've been in between relationships wondering if you will ever find someone. Or it's a health issue or a lack of a friendship. And you wonder if this in-between is ever going to end for you. If we're not careful, we can let the in-between space create room for unhealthy stuff in our life. The in-between can make room for isolation. Isolation fatigue is very real. Now, I'm an introvert. This may surprise many of you, but being an introvert just means that you recharge by being alone, which is why I do some of my best thinking when I'm on my, my, my mountain bike. But for some of you, this time has become an excuse to isolate yourself from people in healthy relationships. 
And God may be calling you to step out of your unhealthy isolation and let people back in. Well, not only can the in-between provide space for isolation, it can also give room for complaint. For some of you, you have made complaining an art form. And what happens when you allow that space to be filled with complaining is we can go from complaining about our situation to complaining against God in our situation. In Philippians, the Apostle Paul tells us that he has learned to be content in any and every situation. You learn to be content, and it's not based on your circumstances. When you sense yourself going into that negative place once again, it's time to recognize that before it turns into complaining. This in-between, it can create room for isolation. It can create room for complaining. And it can create room for meltdown. We can become so weary in the middle that we start making bad decisions because the routines and disciplines of our lives have just been upended. We all respond differently to stress and anxiety. There's times over the past few weeks that I've responded to Darla defensively because I misunderstood something that she said or I took something wrong. When you're around someone 24 hours a day, those things happen. We're all susceptible of making unhealthy decisions in our relationships or going back to old habits that you thought that you'd moved past. And maybe you find yourself pulling away from God. It's not intentional, but sometimes it just happens. The in-between can create space for, for isolation, for complaint, for meltdown. But if you allow it, it will also create space for faith. You don't always get to choose what happens to you but you do get to choose how you respond. This is where our faith is formed. It's in the in-between. These are the times that God can do more in us than in all of the easy times put together. This is what we learned from this guy in our story, that this is what faith is right here. It's confident that Jesus can and hopeful that he will. It's confident that Jesus can and hopeful Jesus will. Jesus, whether you choose to intervene in my situation or not, I believe you can. That is faith. It's confident that Jesus can. And it's hopeful that Jesus will. Jesus has a way of calling us to deeper places, to stretch our faith, to make us stronger, it is in the in-between that God does his best work in us, being confident that Jesus can and hopeful that he will. As a part of this series, I told you that we are going to memorize a verse together each week. And so this week, I want us to, to memorize this great scripture on faith that comes out of Hebrews 11. And it's this scripture right here. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
So I want us to all say this together. I know you feel awkward. I'm by myself in the auditorium. So you can do this in your living room with your family. So let's just say this all together. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let's say this again. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. By the time Peter gives this account, he is close to being put to death by Nero. He knows what it's like to live in the in-between. So if anyone can speak into our situation, it's him. Listen to what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, look at this, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. He's talking about your faith. He says that your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter says that the result of your faith is praise, glory, and honor to God. That when the world sees your faith in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of the coronavirus, in the midst of our isolating ourselves and being quarantined, that when the world sees your faith, it points to Jesus. The question that we're going to have to ask ourselves and the question that that we're asking throughout this series is this, is how is COVID-19 going to mark you as you move forward? When we get on the other side of this, and we will, when we get on the other side of this, how is this time going to be used to mark you and strengthen your faith and your trust in God? Or let me ask it like this. Where is God calling you to be confident that Jesus can and hopeful that he will? What is this for you? Where is he calling you in your life? See, we all have something that God is calling us towards a deeper faith. A deeper faith in him. It is that kind of faith that will not only mark you, but it has the potential to impact everyone who's watching you. And trust me, people are watching you. People, they're watching how you respond in this situation, especially if they know you're a follower of Jesus. And so I want to pray with you. And what I want to do together as we pray, I just want to invite you just to to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I'm going to pray for you. But is there a step of faith that God is calling you to? Is there something that God is saying, I want you to come to this deeper faith, to take a step into that deeper faith? Would you just give that to God right now? Would you just admit it, confess that to God to say, God, this is that area in my life. And would you surrender that to him? To surrender whatever it is that is this lack of faith. Say, God, 
I'm giving this to you. Let me pray with you. God, we thank you for the incredible truth of this account we find in Mark chapter 1. This man with leprosy who had the faith to approach Jesus. And God, I know that so many of us, that we live in that in-between like this guy did. And it's in the in-between that we can allow space for all of these unhealthy behaviors in our life. But God, I pray that you would help us to move those out of the way and to let this in-between be the place where we develop our faith and our trust in you. So God, would you take us into the deeper waters? Would you take us into the deeper place that you want us to go? A deeper faith that is surrendered to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.